Welcome to the Mindset Transformation Podcast Show. I'm your host, Sue Guglieri. Each week, I will bring you new episodes on mindset, motivation, and application. Let's jump right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode and um, YouTube video in my series entitled Celebrating International uh, Women's Day. Today's episode is going to be a bit of a tearjerker because I'm joined by the gorgeous, 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 gorgeous Ola, who's one of my closest friends. I'm going to declare an interest now. I've known her for um, a good number of years now. And her story is something that I can relate to because we both suffered um, a traumatic loss four weeks apart. So she became a young widow. Um, This year actually will be uh, three years since she lost her gorgeous husband. And then, then of course, as you know, um, this will be the third year that I'm without my daughter. So our stories and our journeys are very similar in that we've both experienced loss and it's our and it's our ability and our resilience to learn to coexist with our loss that I really wanted to uh, highlight Ola's um, story. So with that being said, I'm gonna get Ola to introduce herself. I also want to point out that Ola has the most amazing, amazing business. So hearing how she's been able to move on from the loss of her husband, start a new life in the States and restart her business is absolutely all inspiring. It's inspiration. And I know that you are going to get so much value from today's episode. So I'm going to let gorgeous Ola introduce herself. Thank you, Sue. I'm so excited to be joining you. This is phenomenal what you're doing, you know, bringing women to talk about their journey and to, you know, try to inspire other women that could be going through what each of these women that you have interviewed has gone through. Hi everyone, again. My name is Ola, I'm a mom of two, an an entrepreneur, a fashion entrepreneur. And yeah, (laughs) that's about it. Right, so as I've uh, mentioned already, you've suffered the loss of um, your late husband. So I really just want to get a brief background into what happened, that, you know, leading up to the day, what happened and um, how you was able to do the funeral, the kids and, you know, starting a new life. But we're going to break it down into um, segments. So if we start off with what happened that fateful day, walk us through that day. Uh, yeah, so uh, before the time that it passed, we were a family of three, uh, myself, him and our daughter, Amy. And that very day we we were just having like a normal day, like we always do. He just got back from the dentist and I was leaving for the store. So I walked late that day, came back around 7 p.m. And when I got back home, I laying on the floor. We pick him up quickly and, and you know, take him to the hospital because Nigeria, you can't really call 911 or anything like that. So yeah, we, we take him to the hospital as fast as we could, but the doctor, um, uh, the doctor said he had suffered an heart attack and that was just it. So he 
yeah. he tiled an heart attack. We didn't know what happened before then. Nobody was home. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's so heartbreaking because when you found the bill, I think it's important to um, share that you were actually pregnant at the time with my godson, your yeah. boy. Uh, we were pregnant. We were pregnant with Ryan. We were expecting our son. I was seven months pregnant. We were just like, we were mostly like just uh, myself. I was mostly like always chilling at home because I was pregnant. And that very day, I just wanted to like go to the store, and he needed to go to the dentist. And none of us knew. I mean, for me, I didn't know anything like that was gonna happen. Yeah. Gonna end up happening. No, that was how my day was gonna happen that very day it was just as normal as usual you know mm-hmm. and then uh, my whole life just changed that night mm-hmm. and so we've um we found uh, Nabil and he's he's obviously passed away and you had to um with his family because his family also was in uh, Lagos with you at the time so you and Nabil's family took his body back to um, the Lebanon to do the funeral. Talk us about um, what it was like and how the funeral was. Uh, so unfortunately for when that happened, his dad was in Nigeria, his mom was always leaving Nigeria. And it's just so sad that his parents have to experience the love of the loss of a child at, at that age. And yeah, even though everybody was grieving, myself and them they gave me so much support that that I could ever imagine going down to Lebanon to for the funer for the funeral they were really very supportive his family and, and my family were very supportive I was protected a lot because I was pregnant and and it was very very overwhelming what I was going through at that time I remember you calling me mm. you and your husband calling me several times on video call because I I totally couldn't talk to any friend. For some reason, you were just like the only person that I, I could talk to or I want to talk to. And I know that you always have the right words. So talking to you was like, everybody will call me and I'll be like, I don't want to talk. No, no, never answer the phone. But once you called me, I know I was not going to be able to say anything. I know I was just going to be on the video call and just cry it out. But I was so comfortable to just, I was comfortable enough to like do that with you which I, I wasn't able to talk to anybody and I remember that you would call and I would answer the phone and I would just be there crying and you and your whole husband would try to like your Marco would try to like you know uh console me I really appreciate what you did honestly you, did that. It, you it, were really supportive it really affected us so much especially Marco because you know what he's like he's super quiet and he doesn't really like you know talking to people, but he really had a strong connection with um, Nabil. And so when we found out, we were like, oh gosh, it's just one, it's just one of those life-changing things that you never ever think you can um, get over. And it's really difficult to try and find the right words. And I remember our conversations and oftentimes, all I wanted you to do was just be in a safe space. And if you needed to cry or, if, or um, if, if you just wanted us to just be on the video call and not say anything, as long as I knew that you were, you were okay, that, that, would, that gave me the um, confidence to feel like, okay, then 
we've both made it through this day. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's just try and get through the funeral. Let's try and get, um, get back to Lagos and then we'll start to rebuild our lives little by little. So that was really my, my aim and goal for you was trying to be that, that emotional support, even though I couldn't physically be with you. I just wanted to know that you had someone that absolutely had your best interest at heart and just cared 110% for you. And then of course, four weeks later, I go and have, I go and lose Geneva in what is like the, just the worst kind of um, set of circumstances. But even then, I didn't want to share that with you because I, 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 I wanted to still be that support for you. But then obviously you found out. And even as, and even as I was going through my grief, I still found the strength because it, it allowed me not to focus on what was going on because I was still concerned about you because here you are, you're pregnant you know and and I knew that this was an incredibly stressful and difficult time for you so I wanted to make sure that you were okay and so when you came back to um Lagos you now you're now faced with um a really difficult decision in that okay you had already made plans with Nabil to fly to um, America spend time with his family give birth to um, Ryan and then fly back to Nigeria. So talk us through how you found the strength, if you will, and you came to that decision that actually you're still going to go ahead with that decision to um, go to America by yourself and have Ryan. Uh, so uh, coming back to Nigeria after the funeral, it was just a little bit hard for me to be you know, back home, I couldn't go back to our apartment. Uh, it's just his memory everywhere. And I was pregnant. So I needed a new, I, need, I needed some space. I needed to be able to breathe. I needed to be somewhere different and try to not go through all the, you know, the condolences and uh, people mm -hmm. coming and uh, visiting and trying to, you know, be there for me. So when we got back, I, I knew I just needed to go through with the plan. Like I just need to put myself together go through with the plan that we already had about uh, about going to the state visiting his family and having the baby and I was uh, I was lucky to have a friend that was willing to come with me and support me at that moment so yeah I I, I, I immediately left I think a couple of days after I arrived back to Lagos I immediately left to the US to have Ryan and I was there for uh, I, I think I was for for about six months before going back to Nigeria and whilst, you, and whilst you were in um, the States, had you already made up your mind that actually I want to relocate to America because I just simply believe that I can give a better standard of life and I'm going to try and be as present with Amy and Ryan and the best place that I can do that is just to uproot and build a new life for myself because you've also got to think about the business that you had as well. Yeah, I thought about that while I was living in Teza. So I, I think about maybe for the kids, this will be you know, good for them to like live in the state. The education is, uh, is great. Tammy was already going to school during that um, six month period that we were here. But leaving my business back home was not an option for me. So at that time I was telling myself, yeah, America is great, but it's not for me because I'm not, I wasn't ready to like leave my business.
business. It was it was a big part of me, not just because it's uh, not just because it's a business or that's where you know I get my income from, but just because I build it from from ground. So it's like it's like my other baby. It's like something that I put so much into, and just to let it go like that because I want to move to a, a different country was just it wasn't what what I was. Uh, it was not a, an option at that point for me. So so I went back home. And when you got back home and then you then told friends and family that actually, you know what, made up my mind, me and the kids were moving to America, what was their reaction? Uh, So when I went back to Nigeria, I was like trying to get my life back together and just to, you know, continue living in Nigeria, getting back to work and all. Uh, But Everywhere I turn is just the memory of me living in Nigeria with my late husband and people are not like people are starting to like be a little bit weird with me. Like they would know what to say, maybe to say sorry for your loss or condolences for your for your uh, I mean, sorry for your loss or congratulations for your new baby. So I feel like people are starting to like avoid me mm-hmm. and my friends are not like very, you know. So I was just like, wow, what is it? What is it going? What's going on here? What is it? What is this like? Like, it's okay, people. Like, you can talk to me, something like that. So, I mean, all of that and the memory and Nigeria itself, it's a little, it was getting a little bit, a little bit hectic for me, you know, in Nigeria. And I, thinking about the kids, I was just like, it's better if I, if we just go somewhere new, start our life over again and try to, uh, you know, I was ill too. I'm trying to like not live in a place that just remind me so much of my loss. You know, like I don't want to have to remember every day that I go to the grocery store or every day I go to my store. So I just thought I was gonna leave. And when I when I talked to my family, they were fine with that because it's just everybody at that point just want me to be happy. And as long as the the kids are okay with that, I mean my kids are gonna be fine then. Then it was fine with everybody. I talked to his parents because they live in Nigeria and they were like, they were like kind of happy for me because they could see that I could uh, have a new life mm. moving to the US, you know, like start my life all over again and be more hot and just being in Nigeria. So everybody was kind of excited for me, like a little bit worried. My mother-in-law was like a little bit worried, like, how are you going to do that with the kids by yourself? You're not going to have any nanny. What would you do if you have to go to work, if something happened? You know, she worries a lot, but I, I, I was like, I will be fine. And I am fine. So, yeah, that was all happened. And so you've made a decision. You've left Lagos. You're, you're now in America. When you got to America, did you actively go out of your way to get grief counselling? Did you seek or do a bit of research whether or not you could connect with any other young widows that had lost their partners at such a young age. And so what kind of support did you um, engage in when you got to the States? Uh, Earlier through my grief journey, like the first phase of me being in the, coming to the US, I had reached out to, uh, I, I reached out online to some grief council, uh, no, like grief, uh, grief group. I followed a lot of uh, grief, grief group on the social media. There's like a grief 
page on Facebook where people share their story of grief. And at that time, I really was in a place where I felt so much alone. I felt like what has happened to me probably have never happened to anyone. Like, what do you say about someone my age, uh, you know, being pregnant and going through such a big loss, you know, losing someone that you thought or you hoped that you were going to, you know, spend the rest of your life with and having to bury them while you carry a seven month pregnancy. It was really tough that I was just trying to like look for answer, look for help, look for support, whatever I can get to get me through every day. You know, I was trying to look for something I can connect with people I can connect with who is going through what I'm going through that I can talk to. So yeah, I joined a lot of uh, grief uh, group on social media. I started counseling. I was counseling in church and I had like a therapy that I would go to uh, every now and then too. Then I followed um, some some ladies. I followed a couple of ladies on social media that had gone through the same loss that I went through, losing a spouse at a early age. And I kind of find some sort of comfort in that. I feel like I wasn't alone by myself. I could connect to what their story are like. They share what they go through. They share every phase of their grief and the, uh, the help that they get, what helped them through it. So I was able to tap from, mm. yeah, I was able to tap, so tap some strengths and to see what I'm supposed to do. What help should I be getting? What can I do with my young child that has lost, you know, a father? Yeah. Because you really cannot tell what a three-year-old, she was three at the, at the time. You really can't tell what a three, how a three-year-old is grieving because she can't express herself. She's missing her father, but you literally need a psychologist to tell you what she's going through. So we got her into like a, uh, a grief um, group herself where there is young kids. They, it's not really like an adult thing where they just sit and talk about their grief, but they have people who listen to them, they play, they listen to them, they can tell how they feel when they are sad and all of that. They kind of communicate that with the parents so you can know how to deal with the kids at home. So yeah, I really went out and get all the help that I can that I can get because if you're going through what I've gone through I know yourself also has you know gone through this you just need to get yourself out there don't isolate yourself get as much help as you can you know you tend to not want to talk about it because it's really hard it's difficult you don't want to talk to friends you don't want to have to talk to you don't want to talk to your family you just want to be by yourself that was all the feelings that I had going through that but I I just tend to like want to find help because I, I it felt like that was the end of my life but I, inside of me I didn't want my hand my life to end that, that way you know there was a lot of anxiety getting down to depression but all the help that I kind of support myself with and people that I look at at that time kind of helped me go through all those difficult times of my life. That's really important that um, you emphasise that because I think oftentimes when when we go through uh, trauma, we find it difficult to seek help and we would rather shut ourselves out because our grief and our pain is so painful that we actually don't want to talk about it and we don't want to confront those really difficult feelings and emotions that we're going through because of our grief. So um, hearing you explain and really champion the benefits of seeking out therapy, 
if you've got children, let them get engaged in also uh, grief therapy, because I did the exact same thing with um, the kids as well. And also just making sure, because in order for you to be the most effective mum, right, you have to, you've got to fix yourself and you're not going to be able to do that if you think you can do it um, by yourself. So it's really great that you um, highlighted that and emphasised that. So now you've done you've done the grief uh, therapy and you're in a much better space. Let's now take a little detour and let's talk about your business because you've mentioned your business um, a few times now. And even though I know what you do, there may be people that don't know what you do and just how successful you have been in your business because I really want to emphasise that you were only able to make that decision to leave Nigeria to the state just because you had enough financial freedom to do that. And you got that financial freedom from your business. So tell everybody what it is you do, how you started it, and the new lucrative direction you have now taken your business down. Thank you, Sue. Uh, so I am a fashion entrepreneur as, as I've early stated, and I own a fashion retail store in Lagos, in, in the heart of Lagos, Lekki. And I run personal shopper services. When I was back in Nigeria, I do a lot of styling for some um, Nigerian musicians, several artists. And that's, that's basically, you know, what my business is about. It's just everything fashion. And uh, when I started my my business is not as saturated as the market it is for for mm -hmm. it right now so i was able to reach like a really top height in, in no time because there was not a lot of people that was doing what i was doing and i didn't just wake up one day and decide you know what i'm just gonna do fashion it just kind of i felt like it's something that came to me i have friends who kind of know what my taste is when it comes to fashion so when i would travel on trips i would get people who want me to help them buy something. And that way, they just kind of introduced me to more people. And that's how I kind of build up my um, clientele. And because I really hope, I think, I think I, I mean, this is me <laughs> playing with my own ego. I think I offer really good services and I know what I was doing. And I was very, very focused in building my business. I think that was why I was able to, you know, reach a point of, what we can call sources in, in what I was doing. I think it's also important that you tell um, the viewers that being good at your job and being good at your business, your fashion, you were also able to spot a very good lucrative niche in your market that actually helped grow your business to the success that it was because you were focusing on a specific customer base. Tell everybody about that. Yeah, so when I started doing fashion, there was already a lot of, uh, you know, fashion stores, fashion house, uh, retail sh shops, but everybody was catering for women. If I felt like, why are the girls, guys being left out? Like, why are we not caring for our men? You know, so I kind of channel my energy and what I want to do towards the men. I wanted to like, uh, I felt I could feel, I can, I could vibe, vibe easily with the guys. And it's just, 
I just I just prefer to like I kind of like just choose the male because also I would I usually would like to do something that's not been out there like yeah. like invent something I I think I wish I'm a scientist I can invent something <laughs> anyway I've been thinking about why is nobody inventing folding machine because every mom needs that <laughs> what do you think so yeah I was like very much focused on. Uh, just the male just the male like nobody not a lot of people was catering for the main main for the male fashion in Nigeria I mean it's all it's always only about if you want the traditional Nigerian attire of course there's a lot of fashion designers and tailors that do that but when it comes to uh, high fashion for men or high street fashion or street style there was not a lot of people doing that at that time so I just that was just what, you know, I chose to do. And then slowly people start asking me, like, you're doing so great with this. Like, why are you not putting ladies in, in mind? Like, uh, guys would ask me, I want something for my girlfriend. I want something for my wife. So slowly, I, I've always said I would never, ever do anything female. Like, I can't deal with women. I can't deal with myself. I'm too much. <laughs> and then slowly, my business grew to a level where I start considering, you know, maybe I should try and um, women fashion. So I opened my second store and I make it, uh, you know, women fashion. So that was how I, I grew into, uh, yeah, expanding my business. Fantastic. And so you saw a lucrative niche in the market for men's luxury um, items. You opened up your first store, then you opened up another store for female, and then you've moved over to the States. And whilst you were in the States currently, you then decided that actually, I can see another part of the market that I want to tap into. And because as you already mentioned, personal shopping and catering now for guys and females, has become a bit more saturated now, especially from where from when you started to where we are now. So you noticed that and you decided to diversify into another part of fashion that hasn't yet been fully tapped into. And again, super, super successful in this new area of fashion that you've gone down. So tell everybody about that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for asking. Uh, so moving from, from Lagos, I still keep my business up until I still run it, but I am totally off and out of it. But moving here, I had a 10-year, 10-month hold when I arrived and uh, getting a job is not my team. It wouldn't have been, it's not going to be something I would be able to do having a very young baby at hand and it was never my team anyway. So I again want to do something in fashion as far as I was thinking like I want to maybe do fashion designing like you know but I know that my I feel like my gift is retailing like my, my gift is selling something you know <clears throat> not not really like designing it it's like selling it so I was just like making my researches and trying to find and figure out what I can do especially that I can do from home while I take care of my kids and you know, not having to go walk outside. So while I was doing that, I stumbled up upon a video on uh, YouTube that was talking about sustainability and pre-own and, you know, um, secondhand luxury goods. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of get to me like, 
oh, darn, like, I don't think everybody is thinking about this already. First, you can save money. Secondly, you don't have to, you don't have to hold on to something that you don't give, you know, you're not getting a lot, a lot of views out of anymore. We can be more sub- sustainable. We don't have to buy new stuff every time and just peel the old place up. Also, you can save money. Mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can save money. Like a lot of people like luxury. I mean, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I would say there's a lot of people who drink coffee from that cup. So a lot of people like <laughs> a lot of people like luxury and don't want to pay too much for it. Mm. So I was just like, wait, this is something that makes a lot of sense. Myself, I like fashion, I like luxury stuff. Most of the time I like to find deals. I don't really want to pay too much for anything. Mm. So so I, I went more deep and see what platform do they sell from? What can you, where can you get this stuff to have? Uh, how are they doing this business? And I realized it's actually a multi-million dollar, uh, you know, um, industry market yeah. in, the U, in the US. Nothing like that exists in Nigeria. And it's growing and growing. And all the fashion houses, like the really big fashion uh, retail houses mm. or stores are getting on it they're jumping on it like there is uh five patches oh, now i'm selling yeah. pre-owned you know yeah. i was like wait this is this seems to be like the way forward so i try i get i, I get into my personal closet and i try to sell some of the things i don't get good use out of anymore and i was so surprised at how much people will pay for something that i don't want anymore i was like oh wait so at first what i was gonna do is actually i wanted to sell some things I have so I can buy new stuff instead of, you know, taking new money and buying what I want. If I'm done with something, why not sell it and buy something new? And because I was able to sell those things really quick, I then started looking into what is this business all about? There's a lot of YouTube video available for anybody who is interested in this business I'm talking about, like that could educate you on what to do and how to do it. But anyway, so once I was done with, my stuff I was selling I started looking into how can I get new stuff to sell because this seems to be something that I want to do then I realized like you know people go to donation shops here we call it trip stores yeah in the find good, yeah shops. <laughs> yeah to to find like you you know you can we call we call it tremi myself and the community of people that are regulars in the stores that I go to, we call it uh, treasure hunting because yes. you can't believe what you would find sometimes. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I kind of do like online habitio where I buy something that someone is trying to sell for low and then reclip it. So it's like flipping, I buy something, I resell it. So sometimes I go into thrift stores and find really great deals. Other times I buy stuffs online and resell them. Sometimes I buy... Uh, I buy like uh, Jose from from local consignment stores that sell luxury items. So yeah, I I have been doing this for quite a while now, and it kind of turned my interest out of what I originally was doing in Nigeria, personal shopping, and uh, you know my regular retail store. I was becoming more focused about about sustainability. Like I want to be more sustainable. I don't want to be wasteful. I want to give life to new stuff i want to embrace something that somebody don't want anymore i want to embrace it because i if i think i could love it give it more love i was ready for all of that and and as as i go into the business i started seeing 
how much value and quality is in vintage stuff. So I I go from just luxury peon into vintage stuffs and I started saving, you know, dresses from the 50s, from the 80s. They become my kind of uh, obsession. Like I, I now love to like find them. I mean, I did a lot of research to know the, the, from the tag or the fabric or the stitches to know what era this is from. And I just, you know, went all the way into that. And that's what I do now. And it's been super, super successful, especially since um, COVID start. And it's been able to provide you with a really, really good level of income where you can live an amazing life, provide um, for the kids. So if you were um, going to give any piece of advice for anyone that's were thinking of perhaps getting into what you do, which is um, flipping vintage um, vintage items and really going on your little treasure hunts to uh, set up and start selling um, reusable pre-owned items. How would somebody get involved or how would they, first of all, start? What, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to anyone interested in doing what it is that you do? Uh, I would say the first thing, to, you know, to sell some, if you have to sell something, you're looking for a shop or where to sell it. So I would say the first thing is to find a platform that you would be interested in selling your hyphen from because there is a lot of uh, platforms that you can do that on. And then they are different for different countries. You know, what you all have in UK or in Europe is different from what we have in America. So that's you want to do first. Like, where do I really want to sell my stuff? And I would, I would advise that you go into your personal clothes. Like, it could be clothes. It could be new with tag. It could be anything. Trust me, whatever you don't want anymore, there's someone out there who wants it, who is looking for it. So whatever you already have that you do not want anymore, how about you try to start with that? Like, see what you can do with that. See and, and then kind of like uh, make your researches, try to figure out what is your niche, what do you, what do you want to sell? Because vintage is really very, it's very wild. Wild. There is uh, jewelry, there is home decor, there is antique, there is fashion. There is, it's so, it's so big that you, you have to like figure out like, hey, what do I want to do? Do I want to do men clothing or do I want to do women clothing? What eras do you, I want to find? And, you know, you need to be sure of what you really want to do. So you're just not all over the place looking for things that, you know, you, you should try to like kind of build a brand. So they know this is, this is what I can find on this person's platform. And the good thing about this is a business that you literally don't have to, you don't need, you don't need a big capital to start, you know, first you don't need to play. You don't need to pay anything. Sorry. Sorry about that. You don't need to pay anything to get on any of the platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they charge they, they charge several um they charge some commissions when you sell on the platforms, but you do not need to pay ahead to sell on it. And they kind of help you to draw the market. So you personally don't need to do any market marketing mm-hmm. or anything like that yourself. So once you choose the platform you want to sell on, um, try to sell some personal things that you have at home that you don't no longer need anymore and once that is done then you can start looking into how you're going to source new things that you would like to sell because um on the platform that you use you're one of the top uh, sellers tell everybody how many items 
you sold that got you to that blue verified top seller on the platform that you currently run your business now? Uh, so the major platform that I use and I like is Depop. I have every I have several other platforms that I sell on. It depends on what I'm trying to sell. If it's like a vintage uh, jewelry or high fashion jewelry, a Rolex watch or something, I have a separate platform from that. But when it comes to the 90s, the Y2K and vintage, I sell them on, on Depop. And to become a top seller like myself on Depop, you need to sell several, you know, they give you like a, a deadline or or an average of what you have to sell a month and they watch that for four months like you have to be able to sell 50 items every month for like four months and once once you're able to reach that goal they make you a top seller give you the verification and they they kind of uh assign an account officer to you so if you have any uh, issue with anyone on the platform or with a customer is not happy with but and if you have an issue you know you can directly talk to someone who manage your account about that and then to retain uh your i mean it doesn't stop there once you get verified to retain being a top seller you still have to be able to sell 50 items every every month wow. so yeah. yeah yeah i've been I, I started last year june and i've been able up until now i've been able to to sell over 1500 items so i have about 600 yeah. items listed i have a whole room in my house where i put my inventory i mean it's my full-time it's my full-time job now and i just kind of love it i mean some people will say like what do you what are you doing you know like you leaving what what people don't need anymore but i'm telling you there is there is treasure in what people don't need anymore because at a point in life, people really wanted that stuff. And when when it become of age, especially what was made in the past, they are like of really high quality, really good quality that you cannot find anymore. You can't compare it to fashion, uh, to fast fashion. People who know it, who want it, they pay up real big for it. I mean, a pair of Levi's jeans in the new, I mean, new one now could be like maybe $60, but a vintage one could cost you up on to $300. And it's vintage and it's old and nobody wants it anymore. But people are ready to pay more for things in the past because they are really high quality. So yeah. you would be surprised what amount of money you can make from that. I mean, I... I cannot be known my Nigerian business because I'm doing this now. <laughs> yeah, so that's, so that's what, um, just before we close, so have you fully given up um, on your business in Nigeria and this is now your new baby, your new business here in the States or? Yeah, my business in Nigeria is still, is still there. I, I am no, I'm not longer the, the owner. I'm not no longer the store owner because I uh, I gift the business to my sister. So it's still there. The shops are still there. Uh, my clients are now our clients. I'm still able to refer people to the store, but I no longer run the stores anymore. I have fully divided my energy and my, uh, you know, I have fully now do what I do in the United States. And this is, this is me now. I kind of gave up a little bit on, what I have in Nigeria. Maybe in the future, if I, if I go back to Nigeria, I might decide to uh, do it again on a bigger level. If I'd like to serve people in Nigeria. I'd like to be able to provide to my my clients, but that would be like a maybe future thing. Right. So um, before we uh, round up today's episode, which has just been absolutely amazing, 
What piece of advice would you give to anyone who has suffered the trauma of losing a partner suddenly the same way that you lost um, Nabil? How would you, um, what, what sort of a comforting words or advice that you would give to such a person, whether it's male or female, to help them get through and learn to coexist with the grief? Uh, I'll say first, if you, if anyone is watching this video right now and has gone through the loss of his spouse at such a young age, even he, even if not at a young age, it's really, uh, it's a great loss to lose your partner. Mm -hmm. uh, first, I would say uh, my condolences to you sorry for your loss uh and my, my advice is going to be for you not to isolate yourself do not um i mean get help when you can that's why i hear a lot when i was going through what i went through i hear a lot of uh, from my from my grief counselor i hear a lot of ask for help people out there who are willing to help you there is help everywhere there is organizations i mean this is not even in terms of financial help because that was not the case for me but when you go through what I went through you you most likely don't want to talk to anybody you yeah. most likely just want to be by yourself but that's not the way forward that's not the best way to do this you need to be open to seek help you need to be open to seek ways to heal you need to allow yourself also to feel your loss there is this five level of grief you need to identify them you need to go through it allow yourself to feel it and get the help that you need to mm. go through every day mm. you know like uh, speak to people that can help you surround yourself with positive people don't push everybody away yeah. because people are going to there are some people who genuinely genuinely care about you like sue for me she was really there she did really she did so much i can't imagine for someone who was going through it lost itself, which I, for me, I feel like it's even more. It's it's more a great loss than what I went through. I don't want to compare it, but it was tough for me to even get the news. It just take me all the way back. So for someone like her who has gone through what she went through to still be of great support to me and just reach out like every now and then to see that I was doing okay, that was something that would appreciate it forever so you want to find people like sue in your life to surround yourself with to support you that you can talk to because we sometimes do, do want to talk about it people try sometimes not to hope on the subject i mean for everybody it's different but sometimes people try to avoid talking about the, the late person the person that passed away but most of the time, the griever want to talk about them. They want to remember about them because when you're not talking about them, it makes us feel like everybody forget them already. I mean, like now it's over. Nobody even remember them anymore. But I understand that people don't want to open hold wounds. That's why they won't say anything. But yeah, um, I mean, if you, on the other hand, if you have someone who have somebody in your life who have gone through loss, reach out to them. If it's if it's a long time from now, you might want to reach out to them today. Just you don't have to talk about the the late person. You just want to see how they are doing, if they are doing well. But for someone who has gone through loss, I would say do not isolate yourself. Yeah. Look for help. Therapy is great. Try to get into counseling. If you're a Christian, there is a lot of help in charge that you can get. 
because a lost of his spouse will draw you closer to God. Now the love of your life is gone and the only love you have left is Jesus. So that will draw you closer to God. Allow yourself, you know, to, to get closer to God, to listen to God, give yourself to God because at that time is, it's going to speak to you. I felt like he's, he spoke to me a lot during my loss because that is like the, that's like the time where everything does not exist for me anymore. It's just me by myself in my head. And I could listen mm. before then. I don't, I don't think I was able to really hear God clearly, but I could listen because the only thing I want to do is just like confront him yeah. and talk to him, be angry with God, say everything. So yeah, it's also one of the things is you express yourself. If you need to be upset, be upset if you want to be mad at God tell him he can hear even if you don't say it how God knows when you're really mad God knows that inside of you you are blaming him for taking your spouse away so just say it out to him in prayers and it's going to give you a lot of healing so what you want to do is allow yourself to heal yeah and I, I absolutely agree and I think it's important also to mention that feel how you want to feel and there is no acceptable time for you not to feel how you're feeling so if you're if you're if your sorrow is a year two years deep and you still feel the same way you did on the day in which you lost your loved one then that's fine there isn't um there isn't any time limit you you know grief is personal and how you heal your healing journey will be completely different to someone else that is going through. But the important thing is, is to feel how you feel. Your feelings are completely valid. valid. And there is no, there's no right or wrong way for you to feel like, oh, okay, I, I should be doing this. Don't apply any undue pressure um, to yourself. Now, with that being said, what does the future hold for gorgeous Ola, my little Lumi? For you, <laughs> I, I totally feel like you know God has blessed me with these two amazing kids. They are so bright, so fun, and just they just spread love everywhere they go. And just looking at them, seeing them grow, of course, it's sad for them growing without their father. But just seeing them grow, I could tell. I mean, there was a time when you you would tell me every now and then all I can see your future and it's so bright so I would probably tell you to answer that question now yourself what do you think I remember you during my grief during my sad days during my really bad days you would call me and the the first and last thing you would say to me is it's gonna be fine I can see your future it's very bright I was like, why? How could you even see my future? You can see tears rolling down my eyes. How could you be telling me? You can see my future. Like, I will be mad at you some days. Like, what is she what are you talking about? What is she saying? What is she saying? How could you say you can see my future when all I can see right now is oh, how to not wake up the next day? Or how am I going to hide from him when I'm crying that's like the nest like how how am I going to how am I what am I how am I going to do with Ryan when he comes mm -hmm. because I remember those are the times that you would call me and say things like that I was mad at myself I was I was mad 
at God. I was mad at the father. I was pregnant. I was like, why are you taking me away while I was pregnant? Why? When you know you were going to take my partner away, why did you give me this baby? How am I supposed to deal with this all by myself? You know, without a partner, like, am I supposed to be the dad and the mom? And, and you would call me and said, I can see your future. And it's bright. And I would say that you are a seer. Because I know that it is bright. Because I can tell. Right? Look how far, look how far both of us have come yeah. from 2018 when we went through this, just the worst, couldn't make this thing up, could not make it up, to where we are now. Is our future not bright? It is bright. Exactly. <laughs> it is bright. I don't know where you get that from. I don't know if that was something you really could see or you were trying to make me feel better. No, I, you know, you did what honest, you had to do and that worked. You know, if, you know, if I'm being honest, I could see, even though at that time you couldn't see it, I could see your inner strength, okay? You just needed time to discover it for yourself. And oftentimes, even when I'm coaching or if I'm speaking to someone that has gone through something that's really challenging, the, the role of a good friend or even a coach is to guide that person into discovering that hidden strength that's within us. And oftentimes, because, what, because the world can happen so fast and we, we get bombarded with lots of different things, we, we can't quiet the noise that's going on around us. But when you are able to just take that moment, take a deep breath, and really tap into your true hidden potential, your true inner strength, you start to blossom and you start to believe again in the beauty and privilege of the life that we've all been blessed with. So that's all that was. <laughs> it, worked. it did work for me. And, and now look, yeah. I feel like right now it's bright and I can see the future that is really gonna be bright. That, and that's and that's all anyone can ask for so with that being said I'm going to leave all of Ola's details of her store and if you want any um tips or advice please reach out to her but before I do that Ola why don't you tell everybody where they can grab hold of one of your unique treasure hunt vintage items that you sell and look for so well uh, so I am uh, I am Midestai on on Depop. That's where you can really find a lot of my stuff, or you can reach out on Instagram, and I can probably send you the link to my shop. So I'm gonna, as I said, I'm gonna leave all of um, Ola's details in the description box um, below. I want to say thank you so much, babes, for sharing your amazing, incredible inspirational story with everybody it's it's difficult it's, it still remains incredibly difficult for me to hear the story and so I really appreciate you sharing your story because I know you are going to help and inspire someone out there that has gone through or may potentially go through grief and the more we talk about grief the easier many people be able to find that support and realize that 
this is but a moment in your life and you can learn to coexist with the grief and still have a beautiful, meaningful, purposeful life. So I just want to say uh, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm raising a glass of Ribena. I do not have a glass. Cheers. This is a glass of Ribena. Celebrating. Salute to all of the people. Remember, guys, be great because you are. Because you are. (laughs) Bye-bye.